This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And uh, yours truly, the sous chef of the garden. The undergardener. The undergardener, yes. Gardener in training. Frankie Proctor. Nice to... Welcome, Frankie. Well, Charlie... Uh, how can there I extend go. that? Now, Charlie and Frankie. That yeah. sounds like a movie now title. That, see, uh, it, I'd really get on your skin and say, thank you, Charlotte. Ooh. Because that's your real you name, there. but no. But yeah, no. It, and I it just read. Suit, it doesn't suit Well, thank you. you very much. I just read that, um, you know, baby names for 2011. Oh, yeah? The number one girl's baby name for 2011 is Charlotte. Well, How old-fashioned is that? I met a, a little Charlie yes. in, in uh, Zares in St. Catharines the did other you? day. Yes, I did. A little girl Charlie or a boy Charlie? A little girl Charlie. There you go. Yeah, yeah. there you are. So Far cooler not, than Charlotte. You, you're not that unique. You well, know. so thanks. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Frankie well, Proctor. Well, hey, this, oh, this is the garden show. It is. It? Yes, <laughs> I guess I better give the phone numbers because okay. uh, I see we're getting calls into the line already. And uh, we, of course, welcome your calls. And the mantra, of course, is, as usual, call early, call often, one question per call. All right? <laughs> All righty. Phone numbers. In Toronto, 416-360-0740. And then anywhere else in the province, it's toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. It's a chilly morning out there. Yeah. Uh, apparently, it's minus 14 with the wind chill. Well, I wore my long undies Good today. Good for you. Yes, <laughs> yes indeed. Indeed. That'll come into play a little later on in the show. As it always does. As it does. <laughs> Funny how long <laughs> underwear and gardening comes together. <laughs> so, speaking of gardening, yes. tomorrow, the Ontario Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society is presenting Attracting Pollinators to the Garden. The speaker is Robert Raguso. He's a PhD from, I'm not sure where, uh, at 1.30 in the afternoon. The meeting as is at the Toronto Botanical Gardens. Free admission. Everyone is welcome. A uh, bunch of really fun folk. So if you're looking for something to do and you want to learn more about attracting pollinators and mm-hmm. designing your garden to do just that, attract insects and moths and butterflies and birds to help with pollination. Um, Something else that happened, this is not upcoming, this just happened. Last Thursday and Mm -hmm. Friday, I'm not sure if you knew this, so I'm going to share this with you now. Last Thursday and Friday, as in, you know, yesterday, uh, uh, Wednesday, actually maybe it was Wednesday and Thursday now. No, (laughs) nevertheless, this past week. I love the way you have a conversation with yourself. A wonderful (laughs) gift was given to the city of Toronto. I'm talking to you. Would you listen? I'm trying to. Plus the local residents of St. James Park. Well, do you know this? Well, the landscape of Ontario, folks. Absolutely Uh, incredible. Absolutely incredible. And there was another group involved too, right? Well, there are several groups yeah. involved. So, okay, just to be clear, St. James Park is where the yep. Occupy Toronto people staked out tents and claims and lived there for and five weeks. The, the well, price. it turned into a bit of a mud bowl given yeah. it rained almost every day. So, this past week, 200 of my fellow Landscape Ontario members went there 
voluntarily right. organized everything in advance. They aerated all that hard-packed yeah. soil. You're right. Twelve tractor trailer loads of sod was the final, to, you know, topping yeah. on the cake. But prior to the sod going in, of course, they you know there's a lot of fixing up of the soil. Sure. Exactly, prep, grading. All the trees were pruned. Um, new gardens were cut. Mulch. Uh, Scotts donated a, a big load of, of mulch. So and the local BIA donated food. So it was like a real happening thing. It, and in a day and a half. The park was left in better condition than it was when the occupiers moved in six weeks ago. And, and you, you personally were down there doing a lot of this work too, right? I think we'll not want to go there. Ah. Um, <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, the sod, as you point yeah. out, was donated as well. The sod growers was the sod growers uh, association yeah. of Ontario who donated all that sod. But the the labor was voluntary labor and that, donated the, the by Landscape but, Ontario. And they came from all over the folks from Kitchener, Waterloo, and all, uh, over. all over the province. Yeah. Uh, and Excellent. the value of that, um, oh, two hundred grand. Yeah, something like yeah. that is yep. what the the city was saying it was going to cost to do the fixing yeah. up of the park. And no cost to the taxpayers at all. Right. Wow. So talk about a you know philanthropic gesture and you know what a wonderful Christmas gift, obviously to the city and to St James Park. But part of the reason I bring this up as well is there was some people were really kind of I just happened to be in a situation where I listened to people watching a TV chattering amongst themselves saying. How can you lay sod now? It's too cold. That sod's just going to shrivel up and die. Well, here's the scoop, people. The, sh- the sod should not shrivel up and die. A couple of things. One is the irrigation has been is on and was watering. They've asked all the residents to stay off the grass oh. so that the grass with some water will, you know, gravity take root. will mm, you yeah. will take this bring the soil from the sod down to connect to the soil below and it's been properly um, you know, prepared so that a nice connection is being made between those two layers. Mm-hmm. And uh, with the proper moisture and people staying off of it until next spring, preferably until it's kind of dried out next spring, it'll be fine. It should be absolutely perfect. Well, great, so, yeah. yeah it, and it's, that, that was really just in time, too, wasn't it, really? Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't want to be out there with six inches of snow on the ground. Well, you wouldn't be able to cut the no, sod. See, yeah. that's part of it, right? The conditions for cutting sod were, were great. Ground yeah. was moist without being soggy wet and obviously not yet frozen. Yeah. So, we're, yeah, we're, it was the last kind of window to, to even lift 1,200 rolls of sod off well, of the kudos, farms. Kudos to everybody them, yep. who was involved. Uh, that was just a tremendous thing to do. Huge big thank you for that. Yep. 9-11 here at uh, AM 740 as Zoomer Radio, the garden show on the air with Charlie Dobbin, and we'll return and uh, have a chat with, let's see, Helen's waiting on the line. We'll get to Helen in just a couple of moments. There are hundreds of sources for tips on gardening, but you need only one. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin continues. And uh, Frank Proctor along for the ride here on the uh, Garden Show saying hi to Helen in Jackson's Point. Good morning, Helen. Good morning. Morning. Yeah, good morning. I enjoy your show every week. Thank you. Oh, that's great. And, uh, um, you mentioned last year about a gardening um, book from the city of Toronto, and it had pamphlets in it and where you could keep your own records and pictures of your garden and everything, and you were saying how nice of a calendar it is. You know what? It's not from the city of Toronto. This is a great question. Oh, I'm just going to have... Um, it's going to be... Mm. It's a journal. It's a gardening journal. It is a count, like it's a diary. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, it's put together by a woman named Margaret, and she does it every year. And 
uh, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to find it. I'll, I'll report later in the show how to get a hold of one of these. But you can buy, you want to get one get a hold of one of these journals? Please. And you're in Jackson's Point. I'm you're, in Jackson's Point. Can you purchase something over the internet? Do you have access? I can. Okay, perfect. So what I'm going to do is uh, you stay tuned. I'm going to report back the website where you're going to get a hold of one of those lovely journals. It is an, it's a really, it's full of tips and it's got all kinds of neat ways to track what you're doing in your garden and reminds you to do certain things. And it's, it's a real godsend for those of us that like to keep track of stuff. Well, that's what you... You really raved about it before, and I remember in that. And that's, I want to get it for a couple of friends who they really enjoy their garden and everything. And as I said, I do remember you talking about it. Oh, yeah, that's great. Thank you for, and I should have that on the tip of my tongue, and I don't. And I actually even had the journal in my bag here, but I'm not carrying it with me today. So that's why I'll we, report We'll report back. back, Helen, for sure. So keep listening. Thank okay. you. Thanks Thank you for very your much. question. That's great. And uh, just for the record, Charlie raves on about many things uh, <laughs> here on the show. Hey. I just say, hey, hey, hey. Uh, hey, George in Stouffville. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> I'm well. How about you? Good, thanks. Morning. Good morning, Charlie. Charlie, I got a, um, I have, I bought a number of, I think they're emerald spruce. Okay, they're probably uh, emerald cedar, actually. Are they? Yeah. Oh. They don't look like the cedar, same cedar leaves, but... Uh, well, uh, okay, so sorry, when did you buy them? This past spring? No, no, about three years ago. All right, and are they part of a hedge, or are they... They're part of a hedge. Yeah, yeah, so that they would be... Those are cedars, but you're right. They, oh. Emerald cedars grow slightly differently from the ones we're used to. Are, are, they're not native to Ontario. The emerald cedars are actually from Asia originally. Oh, okay. Well, uh, here's my problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I have this hedge... And two of them are virtually almost dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a little bit of green, but it's virtually dead. Two of them right beside it are um, they're uh, facing the south is dead, but the north side is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, in front of, of all these four cedars is a uh, forsythia mm-hmm. and a bleeding heart. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether either one of those has any effect on... Uh, these uh, cedars are not? Probably not. No. Um, but you know what that sounds like to me? Actually, it's interesting that they, it would take three years for you to see the browning or the bronzing. I, I, I see a little every, every year, a little bit, you know, just a little wee bit, and it's, it usually disappears. Yeah. Um, okay, so it the, the fact that it's happening on the south side yeah. uh, tells me that they're probably drying out. They're lacking for moisture, and that sun beating on that south side, whether it's winter sun or summer sun, is dehydrating the foliage, and then there's insufficient moisture in the soil to keep the plant alive. Okay. Um, so that would be what I would suggest is top dressing that area with some good quality, really organic material, whether it's compost or, you know, composted manure or, you know, something that's going to help with moisture retention. Right. Okay. Okay. That's what I would suggest. And obviously you're going to next spring cut out all the brown. Right. Okay. Okay. And I'll probably have to cut, remove the two trees that are pretty well had it, I guess. Yeah, and if you can, it is possible to uh, replace those. Yeah. Okay, you know, you get in there, and you might take out the two and only be able to fit in one where the two were, but oh. if you can really grow the one 
happy and healthy, it might be able to fill in, or maybe three. You know what I mean? It's hard sometimes to plant in the exact same spot. Okay. Okay. Right. Thank you very much. I well, really appreciate that. Oh, our pleasure. Thank you for joining us here in the Garden Show. A pleasure, as always, to talk to our listeners. And, you know, we do from time to time uh, like to remind you that, hey, we take tips here, too. We just don't offer the expertise of Charlie. No. I mean, she is so well-read and so respected <laughs> within the gardening community. Uh, I almost got myself in trouble there, didn't I? Yeah. Uh, yeah I'm, I, no, but you see I, me. it's good. No, that's yeah. a good segue because our first caller, as you recall, yeah. Yeah. Helen, yes. was wondering about this book that I've raved on about. And, of course, I just drew a complete blank. But I've managed to pull it up on our screen. There you go. And No, but this is a good example of tips. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously we love questions, but we love your information as well. So, Helen and anybody else out there who's looking for a good gift for a gardener in your life, the, what you're looking for is something called the Toronto Gardener's Journal. And it is put together every year uh, by Margaret Bennett Alder. And, of course, where you'll find it, W. TorontoGardenBook.com. So one word, TorontoGardenBook.com. Uh, I was just looking at the bottom uh, of the uh, page there to see if, if they mentioned any stores where it might be available, like a chapters or. It is whatever. actually, so that's mm-hmm. a good point. Okay, so here, special complete source guide, home, mm-hmm. the journal. You know, I. Um, don't you love this? We're, we're, we're researching while we're chit-chatting. The source, where does it say up here? Order. There's an order tab, uh, and I, but it is available. I know it's available at the Toronto Botanical Gardens gift okay. shop. Right. Uh, I know it's at the Royal Botanical Gardens gift shop. Um, I read a few other spots where it's available. And again, I could even report back that next week because I've got sure. that okay. uh, on a piece of paper. But just at home. repeat that. Uh, yeah, so the, the website, again. if you want to buy online, is torontogardenbook.com. And it is a wonderful, wonderful resource for anybody you know who's a gardener and wants to uh, keep, you know, keep track of stuff and, right. and compare stuff. That's that's what's part of what's so amazing. Every year it's different in the garden, right? Well, I know you keep track of what I wear you know, the show here every <laughs> week. And uh, just let me unbutton it. Now, I'll just have a peek there I'm toward my I'm chest. Not You're not looking. Oh, I'm not it's looking. It's my Stanfields. I've got my long <laughs> Stanfields on because it's cold out there. But I like to keep track of what, what I do with my my body, you know, keep it warm. Well, hence the Stanfields. Uh, but but, but to this keep is it all limber, connecting uh, yes. to a supplement. You that are so clever. Frank and I <laughs> both take it's called Sierra Sil. Now, when you, how do you know Sierra Sil might be for you? Okay, here's how you know it's for seniors. That's not you or I, but nevertheless, that's it's for seniors seeking improved comfort in daily routines through increased flexibility mm-hmm. and mobility. I think this next one might be more us. It's for active people and athletes, you and me, wanting better performance through easier recovery. And number three, it's for boomers wanting freedom to maintain their favorite activities with reduced aches and stiffness. So, and there's a good reason why you call joint 14. Uh, well, well, because it's, yeah. it, it works for most people, and if it's going to work, you're going to know it's working within 14 days. Yep. That's that's yep. what they say. So for more information, if you want to know more about Sierra Soap, with, like, like I say, both Frank and I have had good experience with it, you can phone them or you can check them online, sierrasil.ca, or give them a call at one eight seven seven joint 14 Friends say she's down to earth, and that's usually where you'll find her. Welcome back to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. 
And her uh, cohort in crime here, Frank Proctor. Nice <laughs> yes. to have you with us on this Saturday morning as we approach Christmas time. Boy, it's getting busy in the shopping uh, malls. Well, lately, so that's huh? why we're helping out with some ideas for Christmas yes. gifts that don't require lining up at the mall. Mm-hmm. One was the the Garden Journal we just mentioned. The other is a, a very newly published book called The Untamed Garden. Mm-hmm. The author of this book, Sonia Day, will be joining us shortly. And I told you a little bit last week about this yeah. this uh, very sexy book. Oh, yes. Sex yeah. in the Garden. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, it's, it's really, it's a very fun book. So that's, uh, we, we will get on to Sonia soon. But speaking of authors and, you know, published people and, and just, you know, wow, you yourself are a published well, author, are you not, Frank? Well, I am indeed. As a matter of fact, uh, yeah, no, I'm looking forward very much, and I thank them very much for the invitation. Uh, Birchcliff Bluffs United Church, uh, they're located at 33 East Road. That's around the Warden Avenue, Kingston Road area. Mm-hmm. Well, every year they have something called uh, In the Spirit of Christmas, and uh, they ask people uh, to come up and read. And usually the folks are, are in the public eye. For instance, uh, tonight, uh, not only will I be reading The Day the Welland Canal Monster Met Santa, my <laughs> Your own, little book, own little book. Yes, but Leon Corby, formerly of CTV News, uh, is going to be reading Christmas at the Turlingtons by Stuart McLean. Yeah, Don, we see, reading yeah. somebody else's book. Yeah. Not nearly <laughs> as cool as you. Well, no. Uh, Don Gray, <laughs> reading an excerpt from When Toronto Was for Kids. And it's going to be be uh, Fur, Feather, Scales, and Shell, performed by the puppeteers of our church's drama group, they say, the Shower Curtain Productions. I love that. Isn't That's that great. great. And there'll be great songs. Uh, singer-songwriter James Gordon's going to be there. Hmm. And just to note that this is all in aid of uh, raising money to help out the uh, uh, Bluffs Food Bank, the churches by the Bluffs Food Bank. Hmm. Admission at the door, 15 bucks for adults, 5 for kids. And uh, we hope to see a whole bunch of folks out there yeah, tonight. Yeah, yeah, raising a good time. money for that. Good idea. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. Um, let's go. I've got some email. Good enough. Okay. Is that all right with you? Absolutely. May, may, I, may I now take the show back? You can, <clears throat> you can take the show back now. Okay, yeah. good. Uh, <laughs> Kathy in Oakville writes, uh, Hi, Charlie. My cactus, this is a Christmas cactus, is blooming beautifully, but it's still white. She said, I emailed you earlier this year, and you advised me to repot the plant, saying perhaps fresh soil would give the flowers more of the original color, which was red. I was wondering if I could add something like acid, which is a um, fertilizer for acid-loving plants, to the water slash soil to help change the color. That seems to work with hydrangeas. And then she says, keep in mind, this cactus plant is at least 25 years old. Mm. I've taken some of the woody parts off over the years, but it's very healthy. Thank you. Um, Well, Kathy, you know what? It's a good question, and I don't have an actual answer. All I can tell you, and and I think maybe somebody out there might know more than me and and have something to to add to this conversation, I do know that it does happen. Christmas cactus do sometimes turn white. Nobody really knows why, definitively. All we know is that something's going on either environmental or culturally. So... It could be something in the in your water when you're watering, you know, something in the in your tap water, whatever water you're using. It could be something in your home. Um, there could be something in the, the, the your practice of caring for it, though I doubt it. It sounds like you're doing a you know a good job. And it, it, sometimes plants turn color, and there's, and there's not, no reason why. Well, there or, or, has to be a reason, but yeah. we just it's not a clear reason. Mm-hmm. So there's something going on. We're not quite sure what it is. So think about uh, my first thing would be the water, and I would say you know make sure that your water is sitting out. 
Don't ever just go straight from the tap into your house plants when you're watering. Make sure it sits out for at least 24 hours. Help bring it to so room temperature. Room temp, yeah. And also it will um, gas off, off gas, so to speak. Some of the chlorine and stuff will, will disappear. Um, so that. And the other thing is maybe try the mere acid. Worth a try. This is the right time to be fertilizing your Christmas cactuses or cacti if they're blooming. Uh, an actively growing and blooming plant does require fertilizer as opposed to most of our house plants, which are not actively growing or blooming, and we don't fertilize those. But certainly the Christmas cactus can use a shot, and it might be worth trying the mirror acid, see if it has any impact at all. Well, there you go. Okay. Okay, good. Anybody got any suggestions out there? I'm happy to hear them. Okay. Do we have time for a call before we have a guest? Yes, I I think so. Florence uh, on the line from Mississauga. Welcome to the show. Hi there. Hello, Florence. Uh, Hello. Morning. Morning. I I have trouble hearing you. Okay, go ahead and ask your question and then... (laughs) Well, I have an orchid and it has four stems. I grew a new stem this year, this time. It bloomed beautifully in June. I had had the blooms for a long time, but I'm having trouble with the mealybug and I keep spraying it, but this still keeps coming back. What do I do about it? You know what? This is exactly what happened to my mom's orchids. Mealybug is a real problem. Uh, Yes, well, you can spray, but you know how mealybug works. They put this little waxy coating on their outer bodies, and a soap spray uh, pretty much just washes everybody off. Uh, You can use something called End All, which is an oil-based spray. I didn't hear that. Okay, tell you what. Florence, hang up the phone. And turn your radio back up and get a piece of paper and a pencil, and I'll give you some suggestions. Okay, thank you. Okay, thanks. Give her a minute to do that. Yeah, no, it's exactly what happened to my mom's orchids. And yeah, where did this, where does the mealy bug come from? It usually comes in on a plant, which is why you want to be really careful when you're shopping for plants in any store and always isolate a new plant, quarantine new plants if you can. In separa- an entirely separate room. Exactly. Yeah. Because if your whole collection is healthy and you bring in one infested plant that you don't know is infested, your entire collection yeah. goes down. What do you look for when you're in the store? You, I mean, do you look for the little bugs yep. right there? Yep. Look that- and under the leaves, look yeah. in the crotches where the leaves and the stems come together. Yeah. Look for anything unusual. Um, even smell. Smell the, the I mean, it, you might think people are <laughs> People might think you look a little odd, but an overwatered plant might look fine right now, but is soggy, so it'll be wet. The pot will be very heavy, but it'll smell soggy. It'll smell like a swamp. So right away, you don't yeah, want that. Musty. Exactly. Any musty smelling plants, you don't want those because you know there's rottage going on under the surface of the soil. But going back to Florence's question about mealybugs, there is a product called End All, E-N-D-A-L-L. It is an oil-based insecticide. Follow the instructions. Spray the plant. You will have to spray it more than once. And don't spray it in your living room because you'll be putting oil all over the curtains and carpets. Take everything into the bathroom, right into the tub if you can. The, recognize, though, that mealybug, because of the way orchids grow, <clears throat> the mealybugs can get down in in sort of the rosette where the leaves mm-hmm. come up from the center, little eggs get laid there or little tiny, tiny bugs are down in there and they don't get sprayed. So you've got to spray every seven to ten days. Keep doing Make it. Make sure that you're going to get them all. You're going to spray yeah. three or four times. If you still see evidence of mealybug, give it up. 
put it outside, let the frost kill the mealybug and start again. I'm sorry to say. I, sometimes it's very, very hard, if not impossible, to kill some of these plants on, on our, sorry, kill some of the bugs yeah. on our plants. So, uh, yeah, I'm sorry to say that, Florence, but that might be your best, your best uh, way to deal with it. Oh, oh, I hear someone knocking on the door. Wait oh. a minute. 931. Oh, who's Bye. here? Who's here? Good, Good morning. Is Sonia that... Day is on the line, I believe. Good morning, <laughs> yes, Sonia. Good morning, Charlie. Sonia, this is Frank. Oh, hi, Frank. Hello, Sonia. Nice to meet you. All right. I've been telling uh, Frank and She's our been listeners bragging about you, really. all about the untamed garden and the sexy <laughs> stories about plants. So what a great book. Well, thank you. I think it's high time it was written. You know, people have this image of gardeners as sort of boring old codgers. But in fact, the, the, the garden is a very sexy place. And that's why I wrote this book. Is, well, you know, it's so cute that you say that, that people think of gardeners as boring old codgers. Uh, that was a, the line that really jumped out at me when I started reading your book. Uh, it's, you know, the codgers who have nothing better to do than blather on about their begonias and beefsteak tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true, isn't it? But it wasn't always that way. No. Um, I did research, of course, tons of research for this book, mm-hmm. and discovered that um, previous cultures, the, uh, the garden and plants and flowers and so on, were considered pretty sexy, and they were all worked into myths yeah. and uh, folklore and so on, and we've left all that behind for some reason. Right, because, I mean, in your book, you talk about the Victorians having an effect on all those old Greek and Roman mythology uh, stories that, yeah, exactly, had all kinds of scintillating stories going on. Yeah, well, the Victorians were a a puritanical bunch in Mm. one sense, although they had their dark secrets. Exactly. Up front, they were puritanical. (laughs) But an example of that is, you know, um, I write about the Madonna Lily, Mm. which became a, a symbol of innocence to the um, Victorians but, and to the Christians. But in early uh, Greek and Roman times, it was considered quite a salacious-looking plant because of those stamens sticking up and waving around erotically in the air. But then the Victorians came along, and they noticed this, and they actually decreed that the, when they were put on church altars that the clergyman had to cut those stamens out of the plant. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, because they were just wow. a little too provocative, I yeah. think. Eh? Too suggestive. Oof. Well, well, well. I mean, and look at the rose. Mm-hmm. The rose, um, uh, Cleopatra was, um, the Romans were yeah. in love with roses, and Cleopatra was the biggest party girl of them all. She, she, there's a famous story that she enticed Mark Antony into bed with a two-foot deep layer of rose petals yeah. on her bedchamber floor. Not sure how much I should be saying. No, this is great. No, 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 go. No, you're, you're actually you're telling some good little tidbits because I absolutely, I've, I've, I did read all this. Carry on, I'm listening. Yes, and the, um, a plant called Jack in the Pulpit, which mm. is very popular with city gardeners, um, also called Arisema, of course, mm-hmm. um, because it grows nicely in shade. Well, in old English times, that was called um, Willy Lily, and it had a very sexy connotation because the, the old English name is Cuckoo Pintle or Pint, and Pint was a colloquialism mm-hmm. for penis. Yes. 
And there's, there's lo- love potions throughout the book. And there's one there for men only, which says... Oh, oh we're, turn to that page immediately, uh, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I wanted to bring up the love potions. Tell us the one that's for men only. Well, you cut the spike out of a willy lily or a jack-in-the-pulpit. Mm-hmm. Um, you put it in the bottom of your shoe when you're going out on a date to meet your lady love. And according to medieval belief, she will be irresistibly drawn to you. That's right. That's because it will make you limp and she'll feel sorry for you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe, maybe. But, you know, um, uh, there's a a tree in um, the Philippines called the Ilang Ilang. Yeah, yeah. And that is an ingredient of Chanel Number 5, the perfume. That's considered one of the most erotic um, scents in the world. The other one is sweet, um, a night jessamine. It's... um, a relative of jasmine. Right. You can actually buy this plant as a started plant at Richter's Herbs in Uxbridge. I grew it this summer as an experiment. And was it <laughs> overwhelming? Well, I had a party, <laughs> and in the evening, uh-huh. all these guys were walking around sniffing the air like bloodhounds <laughs> and saying, What's that amazing smell? There you go. It has flowers like all jasmine right but the and the 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 the, the fragrance is supposed to be like musk mixed with heliotrope oh nice so vanilla that's that vanilla thing yeah and of course vanilla's got a big story attached to it as well vanilla uh, vanilla was considered an aphrodisiac by the conquistadors um that's how in fact the um, popularity of vanilla spread mm-hmm. because the conquistadors took it everywhere with them. And sort of wearing it instead of yes, eating it. And Because <laughs> Montezuma, who was, you know, bossed around by the uh, conquistadors and the Indians, he used to mix this into a chocolate drink before making love to his wives. And that's what the conquistador that's latched onto, of course. I thought that you know, was I, I've got to order one of these books for, for John Gallagher, <laughs> who was on our morning show, because he's our resident rascal, yeah, and yeah. he was just dying. He would love this. Well, I, I was going to say, I mean, you brought up the love potion yeah. for men, Sonia, but I love these love potions. They're scattered throughout the book. The, yeah. the one that I, I wanted to share with you is drop pansy juice into the eyes of someone sleeping. And she or he will be deceived into thinking she's fallen in love with the first living thing she sees upon waking. That's yes. an old English belief. Uh, in, it was it's actually, out of Shakespeare, um, actually. Popularized by Shakespeare. Yeah. Midsummer Night's Dream. That yeah, it comes up. Midsummer Night's Dream when Queen Titania wakes up and falls in love with Bottom, who has that ass's head on. There you go. You see, <laughs> and oh, their pansy juice has been dribbled. And. It's it, you know that could be a dangerous thing if if folks let you know the dog sleep with you know in the bed there, uh, and that's the first thing she looks at. Good lord! Well, if you do anything as gross as that, <laughs> well, this, this sounds like a fascinating book, but really. I think you had a lot of fun writing this, Sonia. I yes. think um, I, I get the sense that you've been looking forward to writing phrases like uh, the the drenching, drenched in sex, passionate. Uh, unabashed sex, buds swell suggestively, phallic stalks, thrust skywards. I, I, I think this was something you've been wanting to do for a while. Well, sure. I mean, sex is fun. Good. There <laughs> I think you go. We tend to overlook that. <laughs> and, um, and gardeners are fun people. Yes, and, ga- and exactly. And the two together. I mean, a lot of gardeners, frankly, I find awfully uptight and prissy. Mm. And so it was 
fun to write this book and maybe shock a few of them. <laughs> and give them something to laugh about and think about. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and we haven't even mentioned all the fruits that you get into oh, in the book. Figs, the, exactly, figs and pomegranates and apples bananas. and tomatoes. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> bananas. Yeah, we'd better not even... I mean, Mark yeah. Cullen wrote in the Star last week about this book and he said, I'm not even going to mention the association of figs. <laughs> with a certain body part. So I don't think I had better either. <laughs> so what a wonderful Christmas gift. Where can people get a hold of it? Well, anywhere. At the bookstores. It's actually um, on the, the um, Indigo and Chapters uh, Christmas uh, book oh, list. Perfect. Of, of nice gift books. But any bookstore, and you can get it online as well. Okay, and the book is called The Untamed Garden. Uh, and also, I guess you can get it through your website. You have a website? Yeah, I actually, well, there's information on my website, but people have to go and buy it oh, okay. in the stores. All right. They and can't you... order it from me. It's too much of a hassle. Right. And it's twenty six ninety nine, I think. All righty. And your website is sonyaday.com. Yes, there's a lot of information about the book on that if people want to check that out first. Right. Um, and But um, I'd like to mention, too, it's full of... Gorgeous illustrations. Yeah. And yeah, it is. Uh, and they're from all over the place. Like you, you obviously did a lot of research to come up with all yes, this. Yes, well, I, I can't claim all the credit. My editor and designer at McClelland and Stewart did a lot of it too. In fact, there's a funny story. Um, the editor did a, was surfing on the web for pictures by people like um, Georgia O'Keeffe, you know, who mm-hmm. did very erotic paintings of flowers. And her husband came home one night and said, What are you doing? It was two o'clock in the morning. She said, I'm looking for for pornographic pictures of flowers. <laughs> Which is interesting. Exactly. And he says, boy, and you're a book editor. That's amazing. But it is a beautiful book. It's really, really beautifully done. It's a, a real keepsake. Thank that would you. Be a, that would be a wonderful gift at Christmas to, for a, a gardener to or find a, that under the Christmas exa- tree. Even a non-gardener. It's full yeah. of great historical fact and legends and myths and stories. It's it's a it's a real nice read. And Sonia's a great writer, so it's, it's an easy, fun read. Thank yes, you. I, I mean, I hate boring stuff you know, about <laughs> plant mythology and so on. No, I try to make it light and entertaining and relevant to modern um, readers. It's Well, it's I like it's short and snappy. Like, it doesn't go on and on and on. It gets to the point. It moves on to the next point. So thank you. Thanks. Well, thank you, Charlie. And Thanks thank you, for- Frank. It's great pleasure to be on the show. Well, we have enjoyed the chat and we'll enjoy reading the book. Uh, we Good. will for sure. Have a great Christmas. Thanks you so much, too. Sonia. Thanks, Charlie. Bye. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. What a sweetheart. She's and, great. And just full of the devil. That's her, <laughs> oh, she is. That's her seventh book, though, Sonia. And she's a columnist, right, with the uh-huh. Toronto Star. So she does write, except in the middle of the winter, there's no garden column. But for, I think, 10 months out of 12, there's yeah. she has a weekly column. So, yeah. No, she's fun. Sonia's pretty fun. Well, there's a... There's a darn good Christmas tip. There's lots you. of Christmas there's gifts. A, We're all about exactly, Christmas today. Or Hanukkah, whatever the case may exactly. be. The gift-giving time. You know what I better do is, is repeat the phone numbers. Okay. You know, a few empty alliance here. We've got to fill them up there. Right. Uh, 416-360-0740 for Toronto listeners. Anywhere else in the province, of course, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And uh, Charlie shall return momentarily after these words. You supply the what and where, and she'll come through with the how. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. 
And I am the sous chef, Frank Proctor. Uh, delighted to be with you as we approach Christmas time. And uh, it really is a wonderful time of year. People are, uh, oh, you know. I'm going to break into song. Well, <laughs> you know, no, but there is a, a palpable a good feeling in the air. All I want is some snow. Yeah. You... Uh, my whole palpability and <laughs> good feelings all are, you know, preceded by snow. You got well. It's good I for the garden too. Yeah, well, and I just can't get excited about Christmas when <laughs> it's green. It, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, to me, it's all it might as well still be September. You know, it just doesn't feel like uh, like anything's going on Christmas wise for me yet. Well, let's see if there might be snow around the Blue Water area. Got to find out exactly where that is. Oh, Jane I think is I know on where the that line. Is. Uh, hi, Jane. Welcome to the show. Good morning, and thank you. I've called in once before about an apple tree which has continued to grow, but my question today is about my grapevines. Mm-hmm. I have Concord grape vines that have been flourishing year after year after year, and I had this wonderful idea last spring of spraying it with um, Endol as I did my rose bushes and other bushes. I thought, well, it must be good for the grape vines. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the first year I haven't had any grapes, and I had very tiny little green worms, really, really tiny, covering the leaves, and I have no idea where they came from or why, but I have um, blackberries growing in the same area, and they grew profusely up and over the grapevines, but I had no grapes, and as I say, there were these little tiny worms all over the undersides of the leaves. When? Not just the undersides, they were on the top, too. When did you spray the plant? Um, In the spring before the leaves were on. Mm, Okay. Because generally speaking, a dormant plant it should be fine to spray with something like Endol or even a you know a dormant spray, which is the same idea. It's the lime sulfur and oil, which actually would be a preferred spray rather than the Endol, which is strictly an insecticide. Grapes do sometimes get fungal diseases as well. I'm wondering if two two things might have happened. One is plants cannot flower and fruit prolifically every year. All plants have their cycles. So if they have a year with tons of fruit, the following year they typically have far less fruit. And it's it's a you know up and down based on energy required to, you know, create all those flowers and grow all that fruit. So it could be that that the grape was just having a, a down year. The fact that you saw those insects, little green worms on the plant, um it, it almost sounds like when you sprayed back earlier in the spring, there is a possibility that you annihilated something beneficial on the plant. Remember that with all-purpose insecticides, we not only kill pests, but we sometimes kill good bugs too. Oh. So there could be, you know, it could be that there was a balance, that there's a few bad bugs, few good bugs, and, you know, the good bugs eat the bad bugs, and everything stays under, you know, in a, in a reasonable balance. But the spray annihilated the beneficial insects Thus, making it possible for the bad bugs to prolif- you know, proliferate. Oh, perhaps. I see, because I've never seen them before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, they might yeah, that be there. Like it could absolutely be. So, yeah. not to spray it would be the. I would suggest not spraying unless you have a problem. And typically, with grapes, insects are not usually our biggest problem. Usually, our biggest problem with grapes are fungal diseases. 
You know, we get the mildews, the, the powdery mildews, the downy mildews, uh, you know, the, the mm-hmm. fuzz. Uh, and, the, of course, an insecticide is not the same as a fungicide. Okay. So if um, what I would sort of keep in my back pocket, if you needed to use uh, a fungicide, and it's very much dependent on weather and, and the location in your garden, is something called Bordeaux mixture, B-O-R-D-O. And that is copper sulfate. And that is very much designed to control fungal diseases, particularly on grapes. Excellent. Okay. Thank you so much. You're very welcome, Jane. Before you go, yeah, Jane. Before you go there, where exactly is Blue Water? I know, I Lake know where Huron. it is, but oh, isn't it? Yes, it's. Uh, I'm just a kilometer. Uh, well, five kilometers north of downtown Grand Bend. Off, right. Oh, uh, yeah. of course. Uh, and you can see the, the blue. Way to the lake from yeah. the beside the lake or parallel right. to the lake. Lampton you can Shores. almost see the Blue Water Bridge. Sure and south, yeah. I, well, no, that's in Sarnia. I grew yeah. up there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't see the bridge, but no, you sure can see the lake. Yeah, they'd be about 40 miles away from that, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Yeah, roughly. Good oh, well, stuff. Excellent. Thanks, Thank you very Jane. much. Thank you very much. Okay, we're coming up to 9.49, and we'll be along to other callers, including Shelley and Gwen, uh, but we have to hold the line in just a moment. We were talking a little bit ago about uh, Sierra Sill, and uh, you said, gee whiz, uh, look at the number of uh, places that are now stocking Sierra Sill. Right, because when we talk about Sierra Sill and getting a hold of mm-hmm. some of it, we talk about the website and phoning the number, but, of course, there are many retailers now in Ontario literally stocking Sierra Sill. So for those of you that would like to buy Sierra Sill locally, this is a, a mineral supplement to help keep you limber and active. Uh, it is available at all Whole Food Markets. It's also available at Goodness Me Natural Food Markets, with, and there's one in Burlington, Hamilton, and Waterdown. The Health Planet stores, which is there are five locations in the Toronto area, North York, Pickering, Markham, Mississauga, and Scarborough. The Big Carrot, of course, everybody knows the Big Carrot here in Toronto on Danforth Avenue. Um, there's a couple of um, Good Health Mart in Woodbridge on Marycroft Avenue. Even Hooper's Pharmacy in Brampton is now stocking Sierra Sill. So if you want to get it locally, go to your local health food store as recommended or give them a call to find out where there might be one close to you. one 877 14 There are hundreds of sources for tips on gardening, but you need only one. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin continues. And with the tip of the hat from the uh, gardener, undergardener, should I say, <laughs> sous chef yes, of the garden, Frank careful. Proctor, yes, as we say hi to Shelley, who is calling in from St. Kitts or St. Catherine's, I presume not the island in the Caribbean. All right. Hi, Shelley. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you this beautiful morning? Nice to see the sunshine. Yes, sure it is. is. Yes. I'm in my sunroom, and I, I have a, a beautiful hibiscus tree that my girlfriend gave me. It's got four different colors. The stems are braided together. Oh, nice. And um, I've, there's something going on with the leaves. I, I love hibiscus. This is why she gave it to me. Mm-hmm. And um, the leaves are, it, it seems to start along one of the veins in the leaf. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of spreads out, and I've got one of the leaves in my hand right now, and it's looking kind of brown and yellow and gucky looking. And when I flipped it over, um, my bif- bifocals aren't quite that strong, but it kind of looks like maybe a fly mm-hmm. on the underside. And is it white in color? No, it's black. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> black. And I just wondered... Like, well, I brought it in, I sprayed it with the uh, insecticidal soap mm-hmm. a couple of times, and I sprayed the soil with it. Okay. But, um, like, all the leaves don't have it. 
but it's just kind of... Are the rich. leaves um, sticky? Are they feeling sticky uh, or shine? Like, Let me see. No. No. But, but so, okay, so... Oh, on, underside it does. Underside is sticky. All right. Yeah, a little bit. I'm wondering, okay... Yes. It, oh, yeah, okay, I just moved to another leaf here. Yes, it is. Sticky see, on the underside. All right, so sticky tells us that there's an insect that is... Frank's got this yeah, very serious look on, look face. on his face. <laughs> oh. um, what, it tells us there's an insect that is poking holes in the leaves oh, okay. to get the, the nice juice and nectar out of the leaves. Right. And when the insect moves on to a new spot, of course, it leaves behind those little holes that it's poked, and well, nectar no continues... Hole. Well, you can't see them. They're microscopic. Oh, okay, um, good. My bifocals aren't that good. <laughs> no, no, no. Even with bifocals in perfect condition, you wouldn't see the holes because the insects are small and then their mouth parts are even smaller okay. and the holes they leave are tiny. Okay. But it's enough that the liquid does continue to drip out and that's what the stickiness is. The sticky is the sap from oh. inside the plant. Okay, yes. Uh, one leaf here I'm looking at, it also looks as though it may have drained a bit. Yeah, and I'm wondering if the black you're seeing, now for sure is that a, a living creature, that the little black things you're seeing, or could the black actually be insect poop that's stuck to the underside of the leaves to some of that stickiness? Oh, you would say that, wouldn't you? <laughs> um, after I just had my finger on it. Um, <laughs> you know why? I, I, I can't tell on that one, hon. It, uh, it looks kind of long. That's what made me think it was a fly. Yeah, but you're not actually seeing it fly around. No. Now, I have seen little itty-bitty, teeny-weeny flies. Okay. Now, if you, right now, are you near the plant right now? Yes, I'm looking okay, at it. Take the side of your hand, yeah. uh, the palm of your hand, and bang the side of the pot and oh, right. see if any, a cloud of insects flies out of the soil. No. Nothing. Okay. Because no. that's a good test for what's called fungus gnats, because oh, okay. they will be in the soil, and they, they look like fruit flies yeah. when they're flying well, around. What I thought I was seeing with these little fruit flies, but, but it's not a lot of them. Like, it's just the odd one, and I, like, it's a leaf here, there, and on the, yeah. on the tree. Okay. Now, it's a pretty big plant, obviously. It's not something you can just sort of pick up and go put in the shower and give it a wash. Yes. It's, it's over six feet tall. Oh, yeah, my gosh. it's a bit, bit yeah. too big. All right, so the, what I would do right but now... if I have to put it in a shower, hun, I'll get it up there somehow. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, the soap spray you used is a good idea. It will kill insects on contact. Right. So you could spray again, but of course the trick is to be spraying the... Un, you have to spray the undersides of the leaves. Charlie, I lost you. Oh, oh. can you... Are you hearing me now? Hello? Hello? She's on a cordless oh, phone. Eh? All right. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll just hope She'll she's flipping the radio up high again. Uh, phone down, radio up. Uh, so the trick with insects and soap and so many of our, you know, contact insecticides now, we don't have those systemic, you know, toxic chemical insecticides. And we don't really want to spray those inside yeah. our house at the best of times. So the, a contact killer means it has to coat the body of the insect. Now, when these are flying insects, it's a bit tricky because you got, you're chasing them around trying to spray them. And, of course, you don't want to be spraying soap all over your house, which is why I was thinking the bathroom might be a better place. But it, what I, I would certainly recommend that, um, that uh, Shelly does is get her soap back out or get a hold of that product we talked about earlier called End All. Follow the instructions. Spray the undersides of the leaves thoroughly till they're dripping as well 
number two way to control and lower the population and hopefully eliminate these insects is use those sticky sticks that we've talked about. Safers makes them sticky, just like the Uh word sticky, and then S-T-I-X for sticky sticks. They uh, attract flying insects who get stuck, just like flypaper, into the stickiness. And again, lowering the population of the adults means fewer eggs are being laid, and slowly, over a period of time, you should be able to eliminate the insect, because that sounds like a beautiful hibiscus. And uh, just another point to to extend it one step further, Charlie, uh, if your diagnosis of bird poop, uh, bird bird poop, poop, bug poop, bug poop is correct, leaving uh, a roll of Charmin there in hopes that the little devils will train themselves. Use that, yeah. Yeah. Be better than just pooping all over the place. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, the proper name for bug poop is frass, Uh but I wasn't sure if anybody would know what I meant. You're frassing me. (laughs) Exactly, frass them off. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. Do we have time for I'm not sure if we go really okay. fast. All right. Gwen, in is it Bomb Beach where you're calling from? Yes. And, Hello. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Um, I live in Bomb Beach. That's just seven miles west of Midland. Oh, oh yeah. Wow, yeah. yeah. And, um, but the tree I'm calling about is on my daughter's front lawn in Bradford. Mm-hmm. And it's a blue spruce, and it's beautiful. It takes up half of her lawn. Mm-hmm. And... Um, this year, for the first time, it has uh, a lot of brown on it. I just wondered if there was any uh, anything that happened to blue spruce this year. There has know about well, there actually there has been uh, some diseases uh-huh. that um, uh, blue spruces under stress tend yeah. to get. Most of the diseases are bacterial. Some of them are actually viral, and some are even fungal. Oh. If it's a big, beautiful, important plant, important part of her landscape, and, you know, blue spruces, when they're beautiful, are worth a lot of money and actually uh, contribute hugely to the value of the property, I would suggest that your daughter call a local um, certified arborist. She had one a couple of... um Several years ago, mm-hmm. uh, for some reason, the top mm-hmm. died. Oh yeah, and uh, they came and they cut the top off. Okay, and but they said the you know the tree, the rest of the tree was fine. But this this year, as I say, for the first time, she's got these brown spots on it. Right. So uh-huh. uh, now, whether she wants, she felt comfortable with the person she had there a couple of years ago, or she wants to call somebody new, uh, I would be inclined to get an expert onto the property. It doesn't have to be now, but she could certainly make the call now, uh-huh. and the arborist will come sometime before spring to make a diagnosis and a recommendation on what to do to to look after the tree to avoid the disease getting worse or yes, perhaps treat. Nothing they, it's so big, there's nothing they themselves can do about it. No, they're you not going to do any spraying. Or anything like that. No, it's but sometimes sometimes some deep root fertilizing, some deep root watering can make a huge difference. So that, just a suggestion. Okay, Thanks. well, that's fine. I Thanks. enjoy your program. Thanks, Thank you Gwen. very much, I'm Gwen. I'm a first-time caller. Oh, Good well. for you. Ring-a-ding-ding. Okay, Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. And we have to scoot. We sure do. The guys are here, and then you're up next with your show, and I got places to go, people to see things to do. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. See you next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.